Good morning, everyone. Please take your seats. Good morning, good morning. Thank you. Good morning, EMU, and welcome to Convocation. This morning, we will be celebrating Hispanic and Latin American History Month. It is an opportunity for us to highlight the Latinx culture and all the contributions made by persons representing the breadth and depth of the culture. Our theme, yes, we can, through resilience and hopefulness, we will strive for more. Where would this world be without the numerous contributions from people in the Latinx community? People like Cesar Chavez, once called one of the heroic figures of our time by then Senator Robert Kennedy. Cesar Chavez lived a life of service to justice and equal rights. As the first generation American son of farm workers in Arizona, he was drawn to a life of activism. Dolores Herto, born as Dolores Clara Fernandez in Northern New Mexico in 1930, Throughout her long career, she has advocated for workers' rights, women's rights, and Latinx rights, and continues to do so to this day at age 90. Ruben Salazar was just an infant when his family immigrated to the United States from Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. He would go on to become one of the first Mexican-American journalists in mainstream media. Sylvia Rivera, we have to be visible, she says. We should not be ashamed of who we are. We are numerous. There are many of us out here. Venezuelan and Puerto Rican American Sylvia Rivera was an LGBTQ rights pioneer. She went on to be the co-founder of the Gay Liberation Front, the Sylvia Law Project, which provides legal representation and support to all those in trans, non-binary, and non-gender conforming communities. And it was established in 2002, shortly after her death. We all know Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's Puerto Rican, American composer, lyricist, actor, writer, and activist. He's most famous for having written the Broadway musical, Hamilton. Sonia Santamayer. In 2009, Brock's-born Latina Sonia Santamayer became the first Hispanic Supreme Court Justice of the United States. She was nominated by President Barack Obama and confirmed by the Senate in a vote of 68 to 31. Jose Andres, a famous chef. Ellen Ochoa. Emma Gonzalez. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And Jennifer Lopez, to name a few more. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I encourage you to do a deeper dive and discover many other contributions by persons from the Latinx community. Your dive can begin here today by leaning in and engaging attentively 
throughout the program by please putting away your electronic devices for this short period of time. We ask that you, if you need your, your devices, your electronic devices for learning purposes, please feel free to continue to use them. But otherwise, we would like to thank you in advance for putting them away and engaging with us at this time. I will hand the program over to Ashley Escoa and Emily Diaz, who are officers for this year's Latino Student Alliance, and they will carry the rest of the program. Thank you very much, and welcome. Hello, my name is Emily Diaz. I am one of the co-secretaries for LSA, and I'm a sophomore here at EMU. I'm Ashley, I'm one of the co-presidents for LSA, and I'm also a sophomore here at EMU. Um, shortly, we're gonna watch a video first, and then we'll proceed with our introduction. Why do we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month? Because not all of us get to learn about our heritage at home. We're not told about anything in school. Because people are harassed for speaking Spanish. Because our culture has been washed away for too long, even by our own people. This country is built on immigration. Hispanics make up more than 17% of the population. That's over 57 million Americans. So chances are you've crossed paths with someone of Hispanic descent. Why do we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month? Porque no todos somos mexicanos. Hay otras culturas, países y lenguas que tenemos que aprender a apreciar. To celebrate and highlight our accomplishments and influence on our American culture. We are not going anywhere. So might as well embrace it and learn more about our diverse cultures. And because we gave you tacos. De nada. From September 15th to October 15th, the United States celebrates Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Cubanos, Mexicanos, Salvadorians. It started as just a week under President Lyndon Johnson in 1968 and was expanded to 30 days by President Ronald Reagan. Thank you. Why does it start in the middle of September? September 15th is the anniversary of independence of five Latin American countries. Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. Also, Mexico and Chile celebrate their Independence Days on September 16th and September 18th. It gets pretty complicated because Hispanic is not a race. It's an ethnicity. Although the official name is Hispanic Heritage Month, many of us don't identify as Hispanic beyond census forms. Although I do, but a lot of my friends don't, and they shouldn't have to be grouped into that. Hispanic is someone who is a native or descends from a Spanish-speaking country. So Latino, Latina is someone of Latin American origin. This includes Brazil, but excludes Spain. Afro-Latino is someone who comes from a Latin American country and is an Afro-descendant. I'm not Spanish, I'm Latina. What's the most frustrating misconception of being Latinx? Do you like tacos? Do you eat spicy food? Yes, of course, I like spicy food and tacos, but that's not what our heritage is about. Everywhere I go, it's automatically rice and beans. There's more to it than just rice and beans. Everyone assumes I speak Spanish and I'm Catholic, but I'm Muslim and I speak Arabic. One of the things that most annoys me when people tell me I don't look Puerto Rican, but you don't look Puerto Rican. You, Mexican, there's no way. But you're white. 
I'm white, I look white, but I'm also half Puerto Rican and that's a big deal and should be celebrated just as much. How could you be a Latina if you're white? Que si pendejo. Just like here, Mexico is very diverse and that is one of its many beauties. It's crazy that people assume that if you speak Spanish, you're not a U.S. citizen. I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. I am American. Yo nací un territorio estadounidense, así que soy ciudadana estadounidense, and I take my civic duties very seriously. Sometimes people ask me, wow, how did you get here? Like, as if Hispanic people don't take planes to come to America. Why do people feel the need to comment on your accent? Sometimes they say, oh, your accent's so good, as if it was a good thing. And then sometimes they're like, oh, I can hear your accent. What does that even mean? Did you know that people were speaking Spanish in the U.S. before English? Ponce de Leon got to what he dubbed La Florida in 1513, way before any settlers went to Jamestown. Colorado, Florida, Nevada, Montana, Montaña, those are all Spanish names. Our heritage is about celebrating culture, it's about celebrating beauty, it's about remembering where we're from and being proud of being immigrants in this country. We need to remember our roots. We need to take the time to remember where we come from. There are over 50 million people in the U.S. that speak Spanish. That is more people than in Spain. That is the second largest population of Spanish speakers outside of Mexico. The United States dancing abilities would be way lower if there weren't Latinos here. But I can dance, because every Latino can dance. Cubanos! <laughs> <laughs> Our guest speaker today is Salvador Romero Jr. He is someone who has been both a part of Emily and ours in my life, and as we grew up in elementary school, he was known to us as our assistant principal and a huge supporter of the Harrisonburg Latinx community. It means so much to have him here today to further elaborate on their theme for Latinx Heritage Month, which is, si se puede, through resilience and hopefulness, we will continue to strive for more. Please help us welcome our guest speaker, Salvador Romero, Jr. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for the invite. Uh, I might have to step down because the light might glare on my head and blind you away. So I'm going to have to play with you guys and let me know this is too, too bright on your eyes. Like they said, uh, my name is Salvador Romero. And I am so glad to be here. Thank you, EMU, for the invitation and for putting this together. I went to JMU, and in my four years at JMU, uh, unfortunately, I never had a chance to get fully engaged uh, with their Latino Alliance team, which I wish I would have, uh, in retrospect. So proud of you guys. The last time, uh, uh, you know, the three of us were together, I guess, was in elementary school with Ashley and Emily, maybe eating lunch. There's such a thing in elementary school where you pay night bucks to eat lunch with the principal, right? And so that, that, that's what they did. I don't know what, I guess they enjoyed time with with an adult, but we had a great time and I got to meet them uh, there so well. So I have a story to share with you. My hope is that today, regardless whether you speak Spanish or not, regardless how you feel about, uh, you know, the things that I'm gonna talk about, that you can walk away with at least one thing uh, that, that can kind of get you motivated to, to uh, move forward in your life. So I want to start by telling you that I was born here. This is a picture of my hometown. This place, 
This is probably ba back in the mid-90s, okay? No running water. And then I think I was about seven or eight when we first got electricity. So we basically live in this community where the school uh, basically was 50 kids, right? And uh, K through sixth grade. So that was my beginning. And I really want to start by that. Uh, that's where I started my life. And I lived there up until I was nine years old. And I'll tell you throughout the presentation how I got to the US. So let's begin there. And Clay, I might need your help, because this is not. So I was born in Guanajuato, which this is the map of Mexico, OK? If you look to the top of the map, uh, that's where the US is. And the bottom of the map is where Central America is. So I was born dead center in Mexico. The beautiful thing about it is that it's very much like the valley, right? The weather is really nice there, you know, lots of mountains, and it's, it's gorgeous. And I get to visit there every now and then. But that's where I was born. Okay. So, before I move a little further into what I'm going to talk about, I want to share with you who I am. At least you'll get a chance to see who I am and kind of get a perspective where I'm coming from. So, I am a father of two. My two children go to Harrisonburg City Schools. And this is, uh, if anybody can recognize that site, can get extra points. You guys know where that is, that pop picture at? That's right, one of our favorite spots in the city. My daughter Jackie, my wife Maria, and my son Danny. We also, Clay, do I need to be pointing that way? Which way do I need to be pointing? There we go. My daughter and our dog Peanut. I uh, love that dog. And then soccer. I used to play soccer a lot. I used to put pictures up of myself playing soccer, but that was it. I got some feedback from students. It's like, that's not very cool. You don't look very, very, you don't look very athletic, right? So I chose to put my son, who's a lot more athletic, right? And who is uh, scoring a goal, a very easy goal. I tap in, by the way. Uh, so I love antique cars. For some reason, ever since I was little, I wanted to have a truck like this. And over the years, I was able to work super hard, extremely hard and was able to get this 1967 Chevy, which actually sits in my garage most of the year, and I get to take it around town every now and then. So if you see me riding in that truck, please make sure you wave, okay? One other thing I really like is mornings. Who in here is a morning person? Good, I'm glad to hear that. I get so much done in the mornings, it's not even, not even funny. I get a lot of work done in the mornings, and I love the sunset, uh, the sunrises in the mornings, and, and so that was, near my house, um, you know, last year. Here's a crazy thing I did. I jumped out of, out of a plane uh, several years ago. I wouldn't recommend it. I will never do it again. <laughs> this was done in Texas, at Fort Hood, um, uh, Texas. I was there with the Army on a national tour. I didn't tell my kids or my wife. I figure if I die, I mean, what can they do about it, right? So I jump out of a plane. And uh, I had a blast. I will never do it again, though. I don't know if anybody, anybody ever watched The Mask, but that is a classic. It is my favorite, favorite, favorite movie of all time. Love watching it with my kids and my wife. And uh, that character is actually a good friend of mine. He's the assistant principal at Skyline Middle School, Eric Miller. So that's him. I want to share a song with you guys before I really dive into the presentation. The song is in Spanish, full disclosure. It's four minutes long. Hopefully you can watch and maybe get the experience that I want to share with you through this song because this song is really powerful to those who have gone through the experience of coming to this country. So I like for us to 
actually, you know, listen to the, for the four full minutes, if that's okay with everybody. So Clay, can you play the song, please? Stop. 
So thank you everybody for uh, listening to the song. So this song is really powerful. I almost wish that it had the, uh, 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 the lyrics, uh, you know, for you to be able to read them. But it really talks about the journey of people coming to this country, right? Many of which end up dying in their effort to get to the U.S., right? Many who leave their loved ones behind, who they get a phone call that their mother has died. Many who leave their children, who then they have to uh, reunite with many after many years. In my, in my case, my parents came to the U.S., left me behind with my siblings, and luckily for me, it was only six months, right? For some people, it's two, three, four, 15 years. Imagine that, leaving your kids for 15 years. And we have many of those stories in our city schools when our families move here, 15 years later, they see their children. This story really talks about we as immigrants, we're humans in this country, but sometimes we're not treated as humans, right? We're dehumanized. It talks about working, striving to be better, right? Wanting to be somebody, but really the constructs of, of the society and the barriers really limiting us from um, you know, becoming who we want to become. So it's a powerful song, really hits me very deep. So I came to the U.S. back in 1991, and believe it or not, that was me right there. I didn't look very happy. Eighth grade, no English, uh, John C. Myers Middle School in Broadway, Virginia. It was a place where I was one of the very, well, one of the very few kids of color, right? I didn't speak any English. There weren't a lot of kids that I could connect with because I didn't speak the language, and they honestly didn't seem interested in me as a friend, right? Eighth grade was tough, even though I had a few friends that we came along together. But high school was even harder. And that is me right there graduating from high school. Believe it or not, that is me. I had a lot of hair. I wish I could go back and get that hair because I really miss it. High school was really the most difficult time of my youth. Bullying was a, a real thing, and it's a thing that we still unfortunately encounter in our society. I used to have this long hair with a rat tail. Back in the 90s, rat tails were, were a thing. I had it, I'm telling you, it was all the way here, and I was proud of it, you know? But, you know, unfortunately for the kids in the classroom, that was a perfect target. And so I would get plucked from behind on a regular basis by the kids, right, who, knew, who, knew, who didn't know any better. Uh, they were doing it for, for the, whatever reason. So I would come into the school every day, run around to my class, avoid the people that would actually find, um, find me to, to, to mess with me and to bother me. I got to the point where I was like, Dad, I don't want to go back to school. Why do I want to go back to a place where I'm getting beaten up every day? Most of my friends have dropped out. They're working. They're doing all these kinds of things. I want to drop out. So he said, you know what? I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you to, uh, to the poultry plant where, where we work, right? And therefore, the picture of the poultry plant. He said, if you make it through the summer and you want to stay, then you know what? Drop out of school, even though we've done everything we could to give you a better future in the U.S., right? So I went and worked for a summer. I made about $2,500, I think. I thought I was, I was king. I, I had money and I was ready to buy a car. And then I was like, Dad said, but remember, this is probably one of the very few opportunities you'll get to do because your English is still not good and you don't have, a pre you don't have any preparation. I said, you're right. I may just have to get beaten up for the next year and then make it out, right? So I went back to school and, uh, you know, one day we went to Blue Ridge Community College uh, and um, I came back so excited 
that I was like, I want to go to Blue Ridge. Why not? My parents brought me here for that reason, right? So I go to one of the adults in the school and I said, I want to go to Blue Ridge. And this person said, oh, that would be great, wouldn't it, right? You know, I'd like for you to do that, but I would encourage you to go into the workforce. Here's why. Your English, ah, still not very good. You're behind in math, you're behind in reading and, and writing. You're really going to struggle and you're going to have to pay for this. So how are you going to do that? So I said, okay, I'm going to go to Blue Ridge. Thank you. So I walked out, I enrolled into Blue Ridge and you know, Blue Ridge is uh, you get an associate's in two years, right? Well, because my parents were working and we didn't have a way to pay for it, I had to work. So it took me four years, right? In the meantime, my friends are telling me, right? Why are you going to school? You're wasting your time. You're wasting your life away. You're wasting money, all these different things. Who in our community is a professional? Have you seen a brown person in this community who's a professional? I was like, no, I could be the first one, right? They would laugh at me. And I was like, okay, just move on with your life and I'm gonna move on with my life. So I decided to do Blue Ridge Community College, graduated in four years, and then decided to go to JMU. So told my parents and they said, how are we gonna pay for this? I said, we'll figure it out. So I went to school. Now, I don't wanna forget that I came to this country undocumented, okay? Undocumented, so I didn't have the documents to even enter school. And so I did have a social security number through my dad, but I, I, didn't have a, a, I didn't have a legal way of being in this country. So I was able to go to JMU because my parents encouraged me because they said everything we've done for you, for the family, you have to take advantage of it. While my friends kept saying, it's a waste of time. You're not, never gonna be a professional, things like that, right? So I went to JMU, graduated, uh, first in my family to go to college, first in my family to graduate from high school, first in my family to graduate from, from college, and uh, I was feeling really, really optimistic, right? Then I go back, uh, then I, I, I knew I wanted to go back to school. And so, if I can keep going, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see it. But I ended up going to Shenandoah University to get my master's, right? So again, people were telling me, like, why are you doing all these different things? And I was like, well, because I, am, I have a purpose. Like, I know why I came here. I know the reason, I know the things that my family went through. You know, I remember my mom and dad coming home every single day with their hands swelled up and their backs broken from working in the poultry plant every single day, right? And they still had to get home and do things for us as five children at the house. And I was like, I don't want to see myself struggling every day to make ends meet and then not to be able to have a, the life that we envision here in the, in the U.S. So throughout that journey, I decided that I wanted to be a teacher. So that meant I had to go back to school. Now, throughout this time, let me tell you, one, one story I forgot to tell you. When I was in Mexico, people thought I, was a I, I needed special education services, right? Because I couldn't retain information. It just wouldn't stick. It wouldn't stick. I remember going like a full summer, going to get uh, tutoring in order to enter into a secondary school you had to apply for. I went the whole summer, got all the training, and failed the test. So I ended up going to a school that everybody in the community called the school for the donkeys. So donkey is the, the term that is used for people that are not very smart. So I went to the school for the donkeys, right? For the people that are not very bright. And, and you know what? I went because I knew that was my path. So when I came to the US, same challenge. I couldn't retain the language. I couldn't retain a whole lot of information. Obviously, when I was going through so much stress and uh, I didn't have a safe place to be, that was what was creating most of, most of my issues. 
So over the last few years, I've, worked, I've been in education 19 years. Uh, this is my 19th year. I have been a teacher, an assistant principal, and today I am the Director of Equity and Community Engagement at Harrisonburg City Schools, and it's a job that I really enjoy. So uh, it's, it's been a journey and it's been great. Uh, I keep forgetting, Clay, what I, where I need to click in order for this to... This. So over the years, I kept saying, you know, like, who in the community is somebody I want to be like? Who in the community is making change, positive change for the Latinx community and for other mar marginalized communities? And I just couldn't find people. So I was like, well, if you can't find the person, you got to be, become the person, right? So in 2014, Governor McAuliffe appointed me to the uh, State Board of Education in Richmond. So I traveled from Harrisonburg to Richmond for four years, once a month for three days. And I sat on the board who oversees the entire 132 school systems in the state of Virginia, where we, I, one of my biggest drivers was, how do we make education, um, you know, not only better for every student, but how do we make it more accessible to our language learners? Because I know as a language learner, I was struggling. So for four years, we worked on many things that helped uh, to move us forward. So, you know, as I, again, kept looking around, kept looking around, you know, who's going to create change for us? I couldn't find the role models. I couldn't find the people that I could connect with, right? Because even in high school, there was nobody who spoke Spanish who was a teacher that I could connect with. So in 2018, I decided to run for city council. And fortunately, I was elected as the first Latino to the city council in Harrisonburg, in the history of Harrisonburg, which, you know, in 2018, you would think that, I mean, it shouldn't be happening in this 2018, but it did. I came with the most votes out of five candidates, and it was just an affirmation that people wanted to see representation that really reflected the community. I also serve as the vice mayor. I will be exiting city council in December after four years. And I feel that given the pandemic that we have been faced with, we have made some great gains. Now, I share you this, but I also want to tell you that I ran in 2010 and I lost pretty bad, actually. I tell you that to say that it didn't just take me one time to win. It took a lot of, it took two times and it took a lot of work. So. I work for the city schools, I serve as vice mayor, like I don't have enough to do, right? I became a realtor about a year ago. During the pandemic, I was working from home, I was like, you know, I always feel like I'm not doing enough. I gotta do something else, right? I gotta do something else, what should I do? Well, I remember that oftentimes people come to me to ask me, how do I buy a house? Well, I don't know how to buy a house, I can get you to somebody that can help you buy a house. So my goal in 2021 was to become a realtor. And I did this all online, right, in about three months. So in uh, August, May of 2021, I became a real estate, licensed real estate agent in the state of Virginia. And I have been selling houses for about a year. I do that on the side, weekends, evenings when I can, and I help people that I oftentimes am connected with. This is a, a young man in Waynesboro. He's a police, a state police uh, officer, bought his first house in Waynesboro. Uh, and, um, you know, he gave me permission to share this with you guys, but... I do real estate as well, uh, which is a passion of mine that I like to continue to expand on. So, let me go back. When people talk about success, a lot of people see me and they say, Sal, or 
Salvador, Mr. Romero, whatever they want to call me, you are so successful. You are so successful. And I really internalize that and think about it. What does that really mean? I mean, honestly, if you were to compare me with the majority of the people in here, I'm probably going to be less more than everybody here, right? Right? You all got me on that. So it doesn't have to do a lot with intelligence. I think for me, it was my internal motivation, my drive, you know, the sort of like the core beliefs that I have in myself that have allowed me to kind of continue to go throughout life. And I'm sure all of you guys have those stories that you felt like you're going to give up, but then something inside of you kept you moving. So society will tell us and society will tell me that success is measured by your personal and professional accomplishments, right? I've shared with you some accomplishments that I've gained over the years. But I can't really say that that is the reason that I feel like I'm successful. Society will tell you that social status or fame is something that determines whether you're successful or not. So I walk in the community on a regular basis and with my kids hate going, to, going out with me. Because everywhere I go, it's very likely I'll know somebody. So we'll stop and talk and say hello. My kids really hate it. And so some of their friends are like, oh, your dad is famous. They, everybody knows him and he's very successful. But that's what society tells me that and tells us that, right? If you have wealth or your net worth is high, then you are very successful. So I like cars, right? I love cars. I showed you one of them uh, earlier. When, I, when people see that, car, that truck, they're like, oh my God, that truck must, work, must be worth a lot of money. Well, it does, but it's taken me years and years and years, right, to get that money to be able to buy it. So that's what... I believe society tells us as far as, you know, who is successful. Now, how I define success is really finding your purpose. I believe that if you don't find your purpose as to what, you know, you want to do and why you're here, then you're going to lose a lot of time, right, in, 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 in life. And then in retrospect, you're going to be like, man, I wish I would have done that. For me, I take opportunities every day to do things, even things that are very challenging and things that I may think I'm not going to be able to accomplish, right? Because I like those sorts of uh, challenges. So I, I know that for me, my purpose is to help people. So I look for things where I can be helpful and I can support those around me, especially the community who doesn't have the supports oftentimes. Sharing your knowledge. You know, I've learned over the years that Sometimes you'll find people that are very protective with what they know, right? So when I got into real estate, I began to ask people, so how do you do this? And by the way, what is the strategy for this? And, how, you know, and, and a lot of people were very protective about that. As an educator, one of my goals is that everything that I learn, I want to share with anyone, right? Because I want to make sure that they get that value for me that I have found so um, you know, valuable over the years. So find ways to share your knowledge with everybody. Love what you do. I mean, if I had to decide right now, I don't know where I would go. I love the work that I do in the schools. I love the work that I do with city council, although I'm finishing with that. And I love real estate as well. Really enjoying what you do because you know what? Sunday evening comes. Most people, a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, Friday morning. I don't want to go to my next thing, right? I fortunately, I have been fortunate that I haven't gotten to the point yet where I do not want to go to my next thing on Monday morning. And I, hopefully that will be the case always, but when I get to a point where I don't feel like going on Monday morning, then I'm going to have to stop doing that and doing something else. So I want to uh, look at my time first to see where we are with time because I don't have the time in front of me. A few more slides. My why. Again, you have to, 
I believe that you have to find your why as to the, the things that you do in life, right? So my why, staying rooted. I cannot forget my beginnings. I cannot forget where I came from. The video that uh, Ashley and Emily showed in the beginning really spoke about that, right? I will never forget who I am and where I came from. I came as an undocumented immigrant to this country, and that's who I am. I cannot, because I'm reaching some sort of success, forget those beginnings, and especially because there's a lot of people that I can connect with who I can show. So don't forget your beginnings and your roots. You know, representation does matter, right? I'm not sure how many in this room ever felt like you couldn't connect with the person in front of you who was teaching and or lecturing and or in other aspects, coaching, whatever it is, because they did not understand you well. They did not connect with you because of different reasons. I know that city government, there was no representation for me. In schools, never, I never saw a teacher that actually looked like me that could actually understand the things that I was going through, right? So those things are really important. And then for me, a key aspect is growth mindset, right? So always being willing to learn and to adapt to the things that are ahead of you, right? Because at the end of the day, I struggled more than I have succeeded in life. I can tell you about every single story that I uh, have in this PowerPoint, and most of them have struggles. Struggle in school, struggle in life, struggle in many different aspects. I became an athletic trainer in college. But in order to be able to uh, practice athletic training, you had to have a national test. You had to pass a national test. It took me five times to pass that test, right? You know, I can tell you about other stories where I failed time and time again. So, you know, I feel like my personal perspective on this is that I have had the resiliency over the years to overcome all the obstacles that have really been in front of me, right? And I believe that today, more than ever, we have to find ways to really be able to find that internal motivation and the people that really push you to be better. This picture next is a picture of my mom and dad, and that was back in the early 80s, right? Every time I feel down and every time I feel like I'm not gaining uh, you know, the success that I want to see in my life, I go back and remember my parents and their beginning and the reason that we, they brought us to this country. Right, because you know, they have worked hard. They're both 65, they have worked in poultry 30 years. That's not an easy job by any means. And you know what? Every day they continue to get up and go to work. So they have shown me over the years that if you really want to accomplish things, you have to be disciplined, you have to not give up, and you have to continue to do everything that you believe is going to get you to the next step. So, you know, this is a really nice. Uh, a really nice uh, um, you know, picture here that you guys can look at. People always see the finished product or the combination of everything that you've done, but only you know the things that you have had to struggle over the years in order to get there, right? So for me, you know, whatever success looks like, maybe I'm a successful person, I don't know. To my own assessment, I'm not there yet. It's a journey. I haven't reached it yet. Hopefully I will one day, but... I've had to endure bullying. I had to endure learning a language. I had to endure being discriminated against for, for the lack of not speaking the language and for the, the color of my skin. I've had to uh, you know, work harder than other people to get to the positions where I have gotten to today. Um, but those things are things that oftentimes others don't know about you. And to me, that is the essence of the person that I am. It's taken me a lot of 
work over the years to really be able to get to where I am. Not sure if anybody here uh, likes soccer. I saw some baseball players, but no soccer players. Hopefully some soccer players out there. Pele is one of the best uh, players of all time. And he basically said that success is no accident. It is hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, sacrifice, and most of all, love of what you do or you're doing, um, are doing or learning to do. And that is completely true, right? It's not an accident. You have to work for it. You have to get to it. And the last thing I want to share with you guys is that self-reflection is critical in anything that you do. I have to sit down every day when I get home, and even if it's 30 seconds, you know, think about my day. Think about what I could have done better. Think about the ways that I'm going to improve, because at the end of the day, if you don't make corrections, you're going to continue to make the same, uh, you're going to continue to walk the same steps every single day. And growth only comes when you recognize, you know, the, the opportunities for change and make those, those changes. So with that, I want to thank you for listening. I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, I'm very open to anything that you may be interested about, irregardless of how personal it is. I'm glad to answer those questions. So thank you. Uh, just a few campus announcements as we're starting to wrap up here. Um, on the EMU events page, um, events calendar, um, after this and after some other stuff right after this, um, the paint night continued is in the campus center until 2 p.m. this afternoon. Um, women's soccer game is at home at 4 p.m. Um, tonight at 9.30 in Martin Chapel, there's a hymn sing. Um, anybody and everybody is welcome to join us for that. Um, and tomorrow at 7 o'clock um, in Main Stage Theater is a special double performance um, featuring EMU's student-led octet Voxty and um, Justin Poole and Perry Blosser um, performing The Gospel Project. Um, it's going to be a great show. Um, there's CAC free concessions at intermission, um, so please come on out and support that. Um, and there's also some LSA events on Friday evening with a movie night at 7. We also would like to briefly go over um, the people who helped um, make this event come today. Um, thank you, Celeste, who is the Director of Multicultural Services, for helping us and always guiding us. Um, Brian Burkholder, University Chaplain, for helping us with convocation. Um, we also have Salvador Romero for being our guest speaker. Um, and we're very grateful for LSA also for planning this. So, out there in Spanish, muchas gracias a Salvador Romero por la participación de hoy. De igual manera, a todos los miembros de LSA a los estudiantes por estar acá y a, al servicio de al, al departamento de multi de servicios multiculturales. Um, if you would also like to follow us on Instagram, um, our Instagram username is LSA underscore EMU. And like Emma Nord said, our next event is on Friday at 7 p.m. We're watching Under the Same Moon, which is a really good movie, and we'll have popcorn and your favorite jarritos. Eh, muchas gracias.
And after the event, we have, make sure to scan out, but we have cafe con pan dulce or coffee with sweet bread um, on behalf of LSA. So thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.